three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Utley is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports on Chicago. My name's John Zaglou, and great to have you here. Today's edition of the program, we're going to preview the Bears-Texans game coming up in just a moment, plus a brand new exclusive interview with Jim McMahon, the Bears' legendary quarterback. Talk with him about the 85-team Bears football today. So much more. It's a great interview. You don't want to miss it. Comes up near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zagluel. Want to watch more of this show, head on over to SportsTalkChicago.com. Want to start today with this. On paper, it should be an easy Bears win. They're facing Houston. Lovey Smith is coaching. Who the hell do they have as far as weapons goes? It should be easy. It should be simple. The Bears should pound Houston on Sunday. We all predicted it. I know I did. Five months ago, I did. Two months ago, I did. A month ago, I did too. On paper, it should be an easy Bears win. Good feeling. Could compromise, and the Bears could even recover. Use it as an opportunity to recover from Sunday night. So why do I feel like it may not go that way? Maybe I'm being pessimistic. Maybe I'm doubting too much. But I have a sick feeling this won't be an easy Bears win. The Bears may pull it out. Might be close. Might come down to the final possession. But I have my doubts about the Bears completely dominating Houston on Sunday. Now, it's not just because of the Packers game. It's the whole season up to this point. If Justin Fields has only thrown 11 passes per game, if the Bears aren't trusting him, if the defense is going to play like last weekend, it may be a longer game for the Bears, a tougher game. They may even lose. And I just got this sick feeling about Lovie Smith returning home. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just a superstition, but I'm weary about it. I don't feel good about it at all. You're going to tell me Lovey Smith is going to come in and say, yeah, you know what, make it an easy game. Who cares if we lose? He's going to play his heart out. He's going to coach his heart out. He's going to do everything he can to win that game. It's a revenge game for Lovey. He was fired, same ownership, same team president, after winning 10 games. Lovey does want the final say. And he may get it on Sunday. That's why I'm saying, not as easy as we all thought. Now, if the Bears had come out and played a little bit better, 
last week, even week one, I'd say the opposite. The Bears do have Justin Fields, they have David Montgomery, they have a competent run game, which the Texans don't. Supposedly a better defense, or I thought so. The Bears are the better team on paper. Before the season began, the Bears were the better team. But right now, I think it's more even than people think. One thing I really want to watch this weekend, quarterbacking. Many of you don't realize, but Davis Mills came out the same year as Justin Fields. Oh, and by the way, Mills was the best quarterback of Fields' draft class so far. That is undisputed. Davis Mills, last year, 16 touchdowns, 11 picks, actually played pretty well this year, two touchdowns, no picks. Completion percentage might be around 42%, but I'll tell you, he is not a bad quarterback. And he's done much more at the NFL level than Justin Fields so far. That's a fact. Whether you like it or not, whether or not you've heard about it, because Davis Mills has been buried by the national media, Davis Mills is a good quarterback. Two touchdowns, no picks, 417 yards already. Last year in his rookie year, despite going 2-9, 16 touchdowns, 10 picks, almost a 90 passer rating for the Texans. He's turned into one of the better quarterbacks of that draft class. The most accomplished, no question. He's put up the best stats of anybody in that draft class so far. Just makes you think. So Justin Fields may have his hands full on Sunday. Not only trying to beat out Davis Mills, but trying to somehow compete with a horrible offensive scheme and bad weapons around him. But also, he has to stay out of his own way. You know, it's funny how this week we now see criticism of Justin Fields. I've never seen it before. I've been critical of him in the past, of course, but now we're seeing other people come around to it at least. I'm not saying give up on him. I'm not saying throw him to the wolves. I'm not saying he's a bust. But what I am saying is this. He needs some work. Last year, it seemed like everything he did, it didn't matter, it was perfect. Well, not necessarily the case. You could hear all these film people, Tim Jenkins, all these people break it down, and that's great. Nevertheless, no matter how you want to phrase it, he didn't have a good game on Sunday. You could say, oh, it was a good decision, but a poor outcome, poor outcome, bad decision. I don't care what the terminology is. The fact is, it wasn't a good game. And it is cause for concern. Justin Fields did miss good reads last Sunday. That's a fact. Missed reads. Missed players. Ran instead of threw when he needed to. Luke Gensey actually called, apparently, 22 passes in that game. Fields was sacked. He ran on a couple of them. Only attempted 11 passes. I'm not saying that's only his fault. Should have been more passes called anyway. 22 calls is still not enough, but it's not just a Luke Gensey problem. This is going to take time for both sides, though, to grow. That's why I'm willing to be patient. Remember, it's a new offense. Remember, it's week three of a new offense, new OC, new head coach, and essentially a new quarterback. It's going to take time for everybody to mesh and be on the same page. That's why I'm not ready to sound the alarm yet. I saw somebody on YouTube comment, hey, in a couple of weeks we'll be putting in Trevor Simeon. Really? Heard this before. It seems as if Chicago's the only place where the fans love the backup more than the starter. Doesn't matter if your starter's a pro bowler like Peyton Manning. 
Somebody will always be calling for someone like Trevor Simeon to come in the game. I love Trevor Simeon, but he is not going to start one game this year unless Justin Fields gets severely injured. This is Justin Fields' year. We need to see something out of him. And so far, we haven't seen much. There hasn't been a lot of opportunity, but we haven't seen much through two games. 15 games to go. Good luck. Prove yourself. Prove something. I'm not asking for perfect stats. I'm not asking for a 100 passer rating. I don't think that's even going to happen. But I'm asking for progress. I'm asking to see that you know how to play the quarterback position and that you're being used correctly. It's not going to be Fields' fault if he's a good runner and the Bears never call a running play for a quarterback, right? It's not going to be Fields' fault if every single game, all season long, he's thrown 11 passes per game. Not going to be his fault. At that point, you fire the offensive coordinator immediately. So there's context with everything, but I will say, Justin Fields ain't perfect. We should stop treating him that way. We have to be realistic in our evaluation of Fields and for this whole team. we got to put the biases to the side. I know you love Justin Fields. I know you want him to be great. Everybody wants him to be great. I want him to be great. we got to put the biases to the side and really take a look at what he's done. What he's done so far has not been significant. Could change. I hope it does, but not yet. He's made mistakes. The things that everybody roasted Trubisky about. He's making those mistakes. He's younger. He has time to develop, but I'm just saying. He has a ways to go in his development as an NFL QB. It's not going to all come to him. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to find instant success. Very few do. So this week is going to be a week of growth for Fields. You're not facing a great defense. It's okay. Here's your chance to shine. You're going to be at home. You're facing Lovey Smith in a game that is practically meaningless. Both these teams aren't going anywhere. Texans will not be in the playoffs, and the Bears are going to need a miracle to get into the playoffs of the NFC. So this is a meaningless game in that sense. Once again, like last week, the Bears have nothing to lose. Texans don't either, though. So it should actually be a decent game quality of play-wise. Here's your chance, Justin Fields and Luke Getzik. Please let him throw more than 11 times in a game. Please. Because then if you don't, we can't evaluate him, and then the nonsense is just going to keep getting worse and worse. The idea that Fields should be benched for Trevor Simeon, I don't even know where that could come from. I don't understand where that thought even came. He's a second-year QB. The same people who said, start him week one, start him week one last year, are now saying, bench him for Trevor Simeon. Again, let's be objective. Objectivity means this for Fields. Let him play. Let him throw. Let him actually run this offense. Let him throw more than 11 times in a game. Let him take control. I'd rather Fields say, I lost the game. I'd rather him be the reason they lost than sit here and be in limbo about what he really is. Vice versa, too. I'd rather see Fields win a game, the Bears win because of Justin Fields, than again, be in limbo about who is Fields, what did he do, what did he accomplish. Look what's going on in Miami. Look what's been going on there with Tua. 
how long it's taken for everybody to embrace him. And he had one good game last week, and I'd like to. I think he's a good NFL quarterback. But if he has a bad game this week, everyone's going to backstep what they said last week. And they're still going back and forth. And this is year three. And they still don't know. And they're still in the middle about to. I don't want that happening here. I'd rather Justin Fields be a total dud, and we know. And then we move on. Or he's a superstar. We know. We move forward. We need some absolute clarity here. Can't have it be half full and half empty or foggy. We need clarity. The only way we're going to find clarity on Justin Fields is if he could throw the damn football. If the game plan is put into his hands and he wins the game or loses the game for the Bears. Either way, it doesn't matter. But we need to know. So for this weekend with Houston, I would hope the Bears use him more because there's nothing to lose. Absolutely nothing. This game is meaningless. In the grand scheme of things, it's meaningless. Texans aren't going anywhere. The Bears aren't going anywhere. Here's your chance to let Justin Fields loose. See what he could do. Luke Getz, he better be listening. And it's actually a good evaluation game. When you're facing not one of the best teams in football, can Justin Fields even hang with Houston? It's a valid question. Can he hang with a middle to lower tier team? When he beat the 49ers, which was great. So he's proven he could beat an elite-esque team. Can he beat a team like this in normal conditions at Soldier Field on Sunday afternoon? Can you say with certainty, yes, Justin Fields won that game for us? He threw for 300 yards, had two touchdowns. It was him. It was because of him we won and we beat this mediocre team. Got to ask yourselves that this Sunday. Got to wait and see if that's going to be the verdict on Fields moving forward. And I swear, if we see the same lackluster performance from Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet, I'm going to blow a gasket. <laughs> Especially Cole Komet. He better really buck up because he's in big trouble. And I don't care if that's not a popular opinion. He's in big trouble. If you can't block, if you can't get open, create separation, if you can't make a catch, why are you playing football? Cole Komet's in big trouble. Darnell Mooney just hasn't been used. Cole Komet really either. So I'm not going to fully go on them yet, but... If we see nothing again on Sunday, that does not bode well for anybody. We need more production out of them. And the Bears' defense better contain the run game. The Texans have Damian Pierce and Rex Burkhead as their leading rushers. (laughs) You better contain them. And if you can't contain them, then the Bears are doomed for this season because the defense is never going to be there to help out the offense. The Bears are always going to be playing from behind if they cannot contain the run game. Last week was a travesty. Now you're facing borderline NFL players, really. I mean, Rex Burkhead's been in and out of the league for years. Damian Pierce, the same. These guys are not great. The Texans have never had good running backs. Contain them. Make sure they don't rush for more than 50 combined yards. Take them out. Force the ball out. Force a fumble. Force Davis Mills to throw. Remember, the pressure's on him, too. He's also in field shoes. 
second-year QB, although there's more certainty about him still, make him uncomfortable. Force the Texans to play from behind and pass and force an interception from Davis Mills. You could do it. It's really not that hard for this Bears defense. They did it in week one. Do it again. Mason Davis Mills, do it again. That's the point here. On paper, it should be an easy win for the Bears, and yet, based on last Sunday, I'm concerned. I think they do pull it out, but I'm not confident. You shouldn't be either. Even if they're facing Houston, some mediocre team, it doesn't matter. Last week was bad. We can all say we moved down. I know I have too, but it's just hard to forget that right now, that image and the way that whole game went. Fields throwing only 11 passes. Aaron Jones running wild. Aaron Rodgers saying, I still own you. I mean, it needs to change here. And here's the opportunity to start making a change all around. Not just Fields, not just Mooney or Command. Offensive play calling. Defensive effort. Limiting the Texans' run game. Fields, one for more than 11 passes. Here's your time to experiment and to grow. This is your opportunity to do it. I think the Bears win, barely, 24-21 final score. I think Fields throws for two touchdowns and has a pick. I think the Bears run one in two, then kick a field goal. But I do think the Texans are going to put up points, unfortunately. They really shouldn't. The Bears' defense should kill them, but... After last week, I have my concerns. So, Bears win, barely, 24-21 on Sunday. And look, if they win, great. I'm not going to be too mad. I'm going to be dissecting this game regardless. So, if something goes wrong, we'll talk about it. But if they win, it's a good stepping stone for the weeks to come. If they lose this game, It's not going to be a good omen for the rest of the season, in my opinion. And I know this is a rebuild year. I get it. But you got to beat the Texans. And Lovey Smith is coming home. And remember, there's really no excuse. You're facing another second-year QB in the same draft class as Justin Fields. This is a referendum, in a sense, on the Bears drafting and the Texans drafting. It's a referendum. It is that serious. In that sense, for the quarterback battle, I want to see Justin Fields win. It's like a couple of years ago when Mitch Trubisky and the Bears beat Deshaun Watson and the Texans. That doesn't mean Mitch Trubisky's a better quarterback, but what it does mean is people talked about it. It was a big deal. This is going to be a big deal, too, in the future. Because really right now, we don't know who's better. You could say Justin Fields all you want, but statistically, it is Davis Mills. We don't know who's the better quarterback yet. They're both going to play with pride on their shoulders. They both know that they were drafted in the same class. It's going to be competitive. Justin Fields has to win. And again, Justin Fields has to have the opportunity to win, which means throwing more than 11 passes and winning or losing the game because of him. Put it on his shoulders. Put it on his chest. I would hope the Bears listen and do it. And I hope they pull it out on Sunday. They should. We all expected it. We all predicted it. Oh, the Texans suck. Of course they do. Does that mean the Bears are going to beat him? though? That's the question. We'll see what happens on Sunday. 
More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Jim McMahon comes up next, so stay tuned. Sports Talk Chicago. If it comes to glory, be a for today's special guest. He's a Super Bowl champion, college football Hall of Famer, and the co-founder of Revenant. Please welcome Jim McMahon to the program. Jim, it's great to have you on. How are you? Hey, thanks a lot, John. Good to be here. What is Revenant, for those who don't know? I know that's something that you've been founding and it's been getting going here for a while now. Well, it's our brand of uh, cannabis that uh, myself and a couple of former ballplayers, Kyle Turley and Eben Britton, are, are a part of. Uh, we launched our brand two years ago in outside of San Diego. Uh, we just launched here in Arizona uh, last month and uh, looking forward to hopefully coming to Illinois soon. How'd you start it? Where'd the idea come from? Well, I've been trying to get in the business for quite a few years out here in uh, Arizona, but, uh, you know, I've, I've a lot of shady characters in this business, like any other, I guess. But uh, finally got it uh, partnered up with Kyle and Evan, and, and uh, we have, you know, similar uh, interest and in, in, uh, what this plant has done for us. And that's why we're, we started the brand, and hopefully uh, people will uh, enjoy it. What's it done for you post-playing career? Uh, it's kept me sane, for one. I, I got had, had to get off all the painkillers I was eating all those years. I, I was eating them for seven years after I retired. Uh, I was living in a fog and, uh, I feel, you know, my body feels a hell of a lot better now. So does my head. So, uh, I haven't taken a, I had to take a pain pill 10, 10 months ago. I had ankle surgery and, uh, tried to get through it without it, but, uh, it, it got infected and got ugly. So I had to take a couple of pain pills, but those are the first ones I've taken in 20 something years now, or almost 20 years. Yeah. Wow. So cannabis has replaced all those pain pills and you felt better because of it, huh? No doubt. No doubt about it. Do you think other players could benefit from this, either retired guys or even current players right now? Well, right now we're, we're trying to get the NFL to get rid of the, uh, the rules about cannabis. Uh, you know, they, the government has had a patent on cannabis for over a hundred years and it's it, as a neuroprotectant. And so if anybody needs neuroprotectant, it's football players. And so, uh, yeah, they should be able to at least use this, rather than uh, all the opioids that they get fed every day from the, from the club. So uh, it's a hell of a lot better for them. And uh, it's, it's not addictive as the people keep saying it is. And uh, like opioids are have proven to be addictive, proven to kill people. Cannabis hasn't killed anybody. So uh, yeah, this is, it's definitely a better alternative than what, what they're using now. What's your long-term goal for the company moving forward? Well, we just want to keep, you know, promoting it, uh, get rid of the stigma. A lot of it's gone, but uh, there's still a lot of it out there. There's still a lot of people that have no idea what this plant can do. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a medicinal herb. It's not a drug. You know, you know, when man puts his hands on it and starts adding chemicals, that's those are drugs, right? <laughs> uh, if you just chewed on the coca leaves, you wouldn't have a cocaine problem. You'd have a lot of energy, but it's it's all the chemicals that man puts into it. That's that's what make that's what makes drugs. Jim McMahon here on Sports Talk Chicago. Jim, what do you make of the Bears at this point? I don't even know how they're doing. I, I know they won their opener. <laughs> uh, did they win? The, did, didn't they play the Packers the other day? Yeah, they lost on Sunday. I, 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 I've, I've been traveling. I've been at different uh, charity events. I haven't really kept up with the NFL. Have you seen Justin Fields play at all, at least? The rookie or the second-year quarterback now? I've seen him play maybe a series. 
which okay. is not enough to to make any judgments. <laughs> I just know he's a, he's a talented kid. He's you know he played at a big time program at Ohio State, had success there. So I, I don't see him not having success where he's at now. What's the key to being a good NFL quarterback? I mean, you're one of them. How'd you do it? The five people up front are always the key to any quarterback. Uh, if you don't have five guys up front willing to fight for you, it doesn't really matter who anybody else is. So uh, as long as he's, he's got those guys up front, you know, there's always talent. You can always find talent at wide receivers and running backs and stuff like that. It's, it's tough to find the five guys up front that you need. If you played in the NFL today, would you be better than you were back in the 80s and 90s? Well, statistically, yes, because they get to throw the ball now. You know, back then, uh, you know, I had just coming out of college, I got to throw it all the time, and I get to Chicago where we, we get to throw it on third and long, third and long, maybe. You know? So, uh, yeah, it was very frustrating back then. But uh, yeah, nowadays, you know, it's pretty wide open. It's it's what I was used to in college. You know, we were we were doing that back in the the late seventies. So uh, yeah, it would be, it'd be a lot of fun now. And plus, they they're not supposed to hit you either. So might be able to last the year. I was going to say, do you think the NFL's gotten a little bit softer, obviously, since you played? Well, the rules the rules have changed quite a bit. I mean, sure. you, know, I, you understand why they're changing them, but, you know, it, it really does affect the game. It affects, you know, how how people play. Uh, as, a, as a QB, it's kind of nice knowing you can step into a throw and not have your knees taken out or your head or, <laughs> or anything else, so. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't even know what to do. What's the hardest hit that you remember taking in the NFL? Oh, boy. Oh, there were so many of them. It's hard to remember. <laughs> and I, I, I remember one in particular. I was, I was playing for the Eagles, and I got hit by Freddie Joe Nunn. He was linebacker for the Cardinals. Uh, my right tackle whiffed again, and, and uh, I got a helmet right in the chest. and never even really saw him because I – I took the ball. I took three steps. I was looking straight ahead, and I got hit dead in my chest. And uh, that's the one I can remember that hurt. <laughs> How does it feel to be a part of the last Super Bowl winning team here in Chicago, Jim? Well, the only Super Bowl winning team in Chicago. It's not just the last First one. First and the yeah, last. Uh, yeah, there's, <laughs> we're still living in the past. But, uh, yeah, it, it, was a great, uh, it was a great time to be in Chicago. You know, we had a, we had a good football team for a good five-year stretch there. Uh, you know, we lost two NFC Championships games in that, in that run. So we had our chances to, to win a few more. But, uh, unfortunately, we didn't, uh, didn't play well at home in the playoffs. If you had stayed healthy in 1986, would you have won again the Super Bowl? Uh, I, I'd like to believe we we would have yes you know we had our chance uh, but like I said we didn't play well in our playoffs you know we we worked all year to get home field advantage and then we just pissed it away uh, you know, teams came in there we thought they'd lay down in the cold weather and they uh, they were they were more ready to play than we were. What do you think went wrong <laughs> overall in the playoffs? Why why didn't you guys play with that same energy that you had during the regular season? Well, for one, I think we were tired. You know, when you when you when you practice the way we practiced for seven years, I was there. You know, every, every day in pads. You know, beating the crap out of each other. Everything's live, uh, and then you run. You get run to death. I mean, that takes its toll after a while. And uh, and I really think that we we were tired towards the end of the seasons because that's what we did all year long. We beat the crap out of each other every day, and uh, you know it was like four games a week, and so. Uh, 
you know, that that and the fact that we weren't the same team in 87 and 88 that we were in, in 85 and 6. Some key guys, and then, uh, you know, we just weren't the same team. Is there a benefit to practicing like that today? I mean, no teams do it anymore. Very few teams even have pads during practice. Was there any benefit that you saw to having that sort of hardcore practice regimen? No. I'd never like practice anyway. And to have to <laughs> practice like you're playing the game was kind of ridiculous in my, in my opinion. I mean, we're all professionals. You know, you know what to do to get yourself ready to play a game, uh, to be in shape and stuff like that. So it's uh, – but that that's the way it was back then. You know, it wasn't just Mike Dick and Buddy Ryan. You know, Bill Parcells was like that. Uh, Coughlin was like that. I mean, it was that's just the nature of the beast. You know, now that all these rules have changed, you know, the, the players union complained, oh, we can't practice, we can't do this and that. So, you know, they're getting their way. I think that's why a lot of these guys now they get get a little nicked up. They have a hard time coming back because they're not used to, to dealing with it. You know, on a, on a daily basis. But you know. I'm just glad I'm not in it anymore. <laughs> what made you so tough as a quarterback? I mean, you were hit so many times in your career. You had sustained so many injuries. What made you keep coming back? Oh, amazing what uh, painkillers will do. <laughs> Mark Kane, Zyla Kane, you know, any Kane brother, it's going to numb some part of your body so you can play. Um, <laughs> that's what kept kept me playing. Uh, <laughs> and the fact that I love to play. I mean, shit, I, I hated missing Sundays. I, had I got to miss a couple of days of practice, I might have been, you know, a lot better on a Sunday. But, uh, you know, when you're having to try to fight through an injury all, all week long and then to play another game, it's just, uh, it does take its toll. Why haven't the Bears won a Super Bowl since 1985? They haven't been that good. I, I really don't know. I don't, uh, like I said, I don't follow the game much. Um I got a lot, a lot of other things on my mind than, than watching football games. So uh, I, I try to keep up with my friends that are still coaching. That's about all I do. I check, you know, check the ESPN scoreboard or whatever they call it, just to see how my guys did. Uh, Ron Rivera is still coaching in the league. Leslie Frazier, uh, Andy Reid's doing a hell of a job in Kansas City. Uh, you know, just I just see how these guys are doing. I don't, I, but I can't sit and watch a game. Why not? It bores me. I like I like playing the game. I, I didn't yeah. like playing when I was hurt or, or watching when I was hurt. I, I just don't. <laughs> I like playing. You can't play. Might as well not even be around. <laughs> Who was your go-to wide receiver from the 85 Bears team or during your time here in Chicago? Oh, hell, well, any, anytime I got the throw, I didn't care who caught it, you know. <laughs> I, I was I could always count on Dennis McKinnon. Uh, Silky D was always, you know, where he's supposed to be. Uh, Emery Moorhead was a good tight end, along with Tim Reitman. Uh, Dennis Gentry was a, a hell of a third down back. I mean, hell, he should have been on the field more, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, we had a lot of talent. Well, of course, Willie, hell, Willie could outrun the world. So, uh, yeah, we had a lot of talent that we could, we could spread around. But, uh, oh, Mike, he liked to just run that ball. <laughs> Sounds like uh, that was a point of contention for you and Mike Dick. Huh? I mean, you mentioned it a couple of times during the interview already. Well, like I said, it was a very boring offense to me. I, I was used to, you know, I was taught, you know, if I could, if I see something that I could exploit to do it. And uh, the, the times that I did do that, I, I got reprimanded or yelled at or whatever you want to call it. But uh, yeah, I try whatever I could do to, 
you get to throw the ball every once in a while. I try to do it. What's the most heated conversation you had with Coach Ditka about throwing when you shouldn't have or not following the offensive pattern? Uh, it was seven years of those. They were all the same. <laughs> what was it like? Like, take me inside one of those conversations, if, if you're able to. Is this a family show or is this a... <laughs> you can say whatever you'd like. Anything you'd like. Uh, there, was, there was a lot of... Uh... A lot of yelling and cursing and, and uh, uh, pretty much every day, you know, even if, sometimes in practice it would happen. But yeah, I, I was out there to win games. You know, Mike, Mike always thought I was doing things to make him mad or piss him off for some reason. And I, I just said, look, you know, you're a tight end. That's how you call plays, like a tight end. You have no idea how to set <laughs> something up. Uh, just, you know, put the guys in you want, leave me alone, and we're going to be fine. But he liked to be, you know, he wanted to be in control of pretty much everything. How do you feel about that today when you look back on that whole situation and relationship with Coach Ditka? Well, we get along great now. I mean, it's uh, – I think he finally realized that, you know, I actually knew what I was doing. Uh, you know, maybe at the time I didn't express it the way, he, you know, he wanted me to. but. Uh, like I said, I, I didn't. It didn't bother me if he was mad at me or yelled at me. Uh, my job was to win ball games. We won. We won a lot more than we lost. That's all I know. How important is it, based on your experience, to have a coach who's willing to cater to a quarterback in the NFL? No, I don't see that happening anywhere. I mean, they, most of these coaches want to be, you know, they want to be front and center. You know, they, you know, and a lot of these QBs will go along with it. You know. And then, then I'll have to say at the end of the game, well, the coach called the play. The coach <laughs> did this, you know. There's no blame anywhere. I mean, no, I don't see, see anybody with balls that say, yeah, I, I called it. it. It worked or it didn't. You know? um, but I, I was willing to take that chance. A lot of people here in Chicago equated that with Matt Nagy and Justin Fields and Matt Nagy and Mitch Grabinski, how it was all him. He didn't really cater to quarterbacks. Do you feel the same way when you watch some of those games? I didn't watch any of those games. None of them? So. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, I mean the coach. The coach can only do so much. I mean, you you, you you work all week, you get a game plan, right? And sometimes your game plan ain't working. Sometimes you got to do other things, and 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 they get so locked in. Oh, they have, they do this, they do that. Well, I don't care what they did. Did what are they doing right now? That's you know you got to live in the now, not the. You know, let's hope they're playing this coverage. Is there a time that you could remember where you totally defied Coach Ditka and it turned out to be right? You, you called Audible, you called something off script, and you were right and he was wrong. Many times. Many times. How did he react to that? Not well, usually. <laughs> I mean, the, the, first, the first play in that Minnesota game on that Thursday night, uh, I actually called the play he gave me. It was a, it was a screen pass. And uh, as I came away from the line of scrimmage, I saw a blitz and I, you know, I almost fell on my face, all the painkillers I had in me. And so when I, when I planted my foot, I just happened to look downfield and Willie was 10 yards past his guy. I mean, he was just doing his job, running his guy deep. So I just threw it to him. And because uh, I knowing that the line didn't have enough time to be downfield already. I mean, everything had happened like that. So I threw it to him. We, we score. 
uh, I get to the sideline. He about rips my head off, shaking me around. What play did you call? And I said, I called the screen, Mike. Well, why'd you throw it to him? And I said, well, he was open. We scored. What the hell's the problem? But that's, you know, that's when I actually called the play. Uh, I remember the one at the NFC Championship game, the ball uh, touchdown, I hit Willie Galton. Um, I think it was a second down, some second long or whatever it was. And he had sent in this play that I didn't call and turned out my, my call was right. Uh, and he, he got in my face about that. Well, where'd you get that play? And I said, well, the, we've been practicing that play, you know, that's in the game plan. You know, it's, I didn't just pull it out of my ass. It was just, it was there. And uh, the other coaches came up to me and said, Hey, great call. Cause they, the call I made, I mean, it was a very, very easy play. I said, because I told Willie now, I said, Willie, if, if that cornerback makes any move to the, to the, to your post move, I'm throwing this ball to you because he can't beat you back to the corner. And when I came out, I had the, I had the running back right there in front of me, could have had a two or three yard gain or whatever. And the, the tight end was coming across as well. But and then when I came around the side and I saw that corner make one step, I knew I was, I knew where I was going with the ball and we scored. And uh, everybody was happy with Mike. <laughs> <laughs> the head coach is the one who isn't happy, and he's the one coaching you guys. He's the only one. <laughs> and I didn't call that damn running player, whatever he said. <laughs> you were known to be a rebel throughout your NFL career. Uh, did that start with defying Ditka, or how did that personality and that sort of perception kind of come up? Uh, it's you guys in the media. Uh <laughs> I did. I, I hadn't changed. I, I I did what I always did and said what I always thought. And uh, some people agreed with it. Some people didn't like it. I didn't. I, I've never lived my life lived my life worrying about what other people thought. Um, you know, the majority of them don't know me anyway, so I I could care less. I'm not going to you know take criticism from somebody I, I wouldn't even take advice from. But why let it worry me? Okay. <laughs> If you were in more control, do you think the Bears would have been a better team? Like, you would have had better stats, but I, I assume you guys would have won more games, too, if you'd maybe more control over the offense. Well, we, we still won quite a few games. Sure, of course. Yeah, we, <laughs> you know, I don't know how many how many games it took Mike to get his 100th win, but uh, it was pretty quick. And we won a lot of football games after 82 and 83. We, we, we stomped then, but... Uh, you know, from 84 to 88, we were, we were pretty solid. Well, to come with Jim McMahon in just a moment, stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago. Jim McMahon still here on Chicago. Jim, a few more questions before we finish up. What's the funniest moment you've had with some of your teammates on that Bears team? Oh, boy. Uh, we had a lot of fun times. I, I can't remember. I can't think of one particular one. Um, well, I, well, it was funny to us. It might not have been funny to people at the funeral, but we'll, we went to Papa Bear's funeral in, in 1983. Um, uh, it was a big church downtown. I can't remember the name of it, but I remember we're, it was a big line and we're, we're all filing in 
and, and uh, there was a homeless guy. I, I guess he thought it was like a soup line or something. He got in the line and he was, he was actually sitting in the, in the pew right in front of uh, me and a couple of teammates. We had a lot of fun with that guy during the, during the funeral, but uh, uh, that was just kind of a funny thing to us. We're like, where, where this guy, who's, who's this guy part of? And then this guy was just like looking around like, where, where's the soup? But, yeah, that was kind of a funny moment. How much did you hate Pete Rosell on a scale of one to 10? I didn't hate Pete at all. I thought Pete, Pete Rosell, you know, grew this league to where it is today. I mean, if it wasn't for Pete Rosell, the NFL wouldn't, would, probably wouldn't even be around anymore. But uh, he, he did a hell of a job as a commissioner. He just, uh, he took his liberties with me, and that's what, that's what got me upset. You know, it wasn't my fault that Adidas wasn't paying the NFL. You know, I'd, I'd been wearing Adidas since I got in the league, and all of a sudden, four years later, it's a big deal. And uh, he made a big stink about it. Find me, they, and I shouldn't have been able to be fine if I if I probably I probably could have got it back in a lawsuit. But lawyers would cost me more than what he fined me. So, um, you know, I, I ended up making my point. You know, I, I had my Roselle band. It didn't get a fine <laughs> that week. Uh, uh, I, I made my money in the Super Bowl. That you know, Adidas was willing to pay me. I said, I'm not going to wear it on my head, but you'll be able to see it. And I pulled it around my neck and they, they saw it in every picture. Very happy. I got my check from Adidas. Didn't get a fine because I wore all charities. Had they fined me for wearing charities, they would look like idiots. So I said, <laughs> see, man, you made a big point about this. It was nothing. I've, I've been wearing a headband since I got in this league. And now all of a sudden it's a big deal because they said I was giving Adidas free advertising. I'm not the one zooming in on my shoes or, or my headband. You guys are. So uh, the next year they had a few extra rules in there, but uh, I made my point. <laughs> I read that Pete Roselle actually thought it was funny, but he still kept the fine on you. That's what reports had said. Well, the fine, I got fined for the first week. Yeah, right. He didn't, he didn't, uh, I did have to pay the fine. Chicago wouldn't pay it. And I couldn't afford, you know, five, ten grand, whatever it was at that time. So didn't get any more from him. <laughs> and Jim, before we finish up today, last question. What's something no one knows about you? Hmm. Probably nothing. My <laughs> life's pretty open book, so <laughs> anything I from your it. plane career or afterwards that we don't know that you haven't told about or talked about? Oh boy. I don't think there's anything anybody hasn't asked me. So I, I <laughs> couldn't tell you. Well, I do appreciate your time. Uh, really appreciate you coming on with me and talking best wishes, of course, to your new company and looking forward to seeing a debut here in Chicago. And uh, thanks for being a legendary bear for sure. We all appreciate still what you've done here in Chicago and, being the only Super Bowl winning quarterback in Bears history. It's certainly something and appreciate the time. Hey, my pleasure, John. Take care. <laughs> you See too. you guys later. Yep. Great talk there with Jim McMahon. That'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Jim McMahon himself, Matt Dubiel, WCKG, Jim DeTalbin, to Marlboro Entertainment for making this show a success. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John's Gluel. Want to watch more of this show? Head on over to sportstalkchicago.com. Another show comes with tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe and so long, everyone. No! No! Where are the turtles?